Welcome back to Detroit Strange. A podcast that is this one. Entering your ear holes. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. And and that's Alex. And that's Jess over there. We're getting better yeah, at hi. remembering all the things as time yeah. goes on. Yeah. Well, sometimes too, I think I um we never because we didn't really have like a set a like to form- it. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes I just want to mix it up and then I get yeah. tongue-tied like I did today. I was like, how do I mix up these five words that I say all the time? Actually, two words. <laughs> this podcast. Podcast this? It's tricky because like, it's like, do we find a pattern or do we keep changing it up? We like, you know what? There's mm-hmm. no rules. It's our podcast. We'll do what we want. Yeah. Everything's fine. True. Yeah. I love our idyllic Christmas backgrounds. I was just going to say, (laughs) I was just going to say, how's it going in your cozy Christmas town? It's going great. I'm going to back away so you can try and see if you can figure out what the scene is. There is a bus and some ducks and a snowman and some carolers. I. Oh, is it the Christmas? um, um, Is it National Lampoon? It is. I was about to say my next hint was going to be, Merry Christmas, the shitter's full. <laughs> oh, that took me a second, but I'm glad I got it. Yeah. So not a bus, that's a camper. Yeah. That makes it looks sense. looks like right in the bottom right corner is Cousin Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little fuzzy, so I'm actually pretty proud of myself. It, yeah, it's not the highest quality image. It was, uh, I like it because it kind of looks like a Christmas card like illustration but it's very much just the national lampoon christmas vacation yeah it looked like uh what's that guy like a thomas kincaid style painting yeah the thomas kincaid (laughs) (laughs) um my image has no stories just a mountain christmas town it looks looks lovely cute it looks yeah i would love to be there for christmas i would too it's like i think uh like christmas week is probably the only week i like like the wintry yeah scene if you like yes i would like a mountain town more than like regular yes i was about to say like what's your dream christmas destination like if you could spend christmas anywhere in the world i don't know because i also like experiencing like different places so maybe somewhere that's completely opposite oh yeah because i've had the snowy christmas would be kind of fun i'm trying to think um I don't know. This is hard. Ireland. Wait, Ireland. Yep. That's a good point. That's a good pick. Mm-hmm. I was going to say somewhere like either like Germany or like mm-hmm. even like Scandinavia. Just kind of like somewhere where I know it's going to be snowy as fuck. And just like, especially Norway, just because like Huga. I've been talking about Huga mm-hmm. way too much lately. I've just like. The concept of cozy, just because, like, it's so dark, so cold, and so snowy for so long there that mm-hmm. they're basically, like, it's basically just, like, the concept of, like, we know this weather isn't great, but let's make the most of it. Have a cozy yeah. sweater, have a cup of hot chocolate, kind of just, like, enjoying the weather you have and not fighting it. And I think that's so, like, like I love that concept for winter because I feel like Michigan is similar in that it's. It's so cold, so dark, and so snowy sometimes that you just gotta like embrace it and find ways to make it cozy. And I just love that. 
That's funny because my second choice would have also been Scandinavia, but it would have been Sweden. Yeah. But that's mostly because... <laughs> so I have like the tiniest bit of Swedish blood. I don't even know how much yeah. it is because I'm a total mutt. But one time my grandparents, when I was, you know, child or teen or something like that, my grandparents were visiting and they took myself and my cousins to a St. Lucia festival, which is like a... Oh, yeah a Swedish thing and I would I would like to be in Sweden for one and eat us cookies and uh, those, that's basically what I know about Swedish culture <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I was just talking about like I was talking with my mom yesterday about how we want to go to Ikea once the world opens back up a little bit more mm-hmm. and I just like she was like oh, I want to be able to go and when we can go to like because like I grew up in Canton so she's like I want to go when we can go to either like Mexican Fiesta or Canton, China, and I was just like, but the IKEA food court slaps though. I love Swedish meatballs. I need to find a recipe Mm -hmm. because they're so good. I literally Mm -hmm. had them like four times in three days when I was there because I loved them so much. And I had them understand. Well, they're so good. And that lingonberry. That lingonberry jam, just a little bit of like tart sweetness just like mm-hmm. to really just kick off all the savoriness of like the potatoes and the gravy and the meatballs just uh chef's kisses i need to find a good recipe i think that's a good winter meal a good hygge yeah. meal oh, if you will yes oh and especially with like some like potatoes mm-hmm. yeah like maybe like garlic whipped mm-hmm. oh yeah i love a smooth just like creamy potato i love the food court too i actually had one of the best sandwiches I've ever had, it was like a a little dill and like, I think it was like baby shrimp were on it or something. Ooh, yeah. it was, it was they so love good. a sandwich up there. They did. And it was like a very thin, like, I think like pumpernickel type bread or something, or maybe a rye. I can't remember. It was a while ago. It just, when I think sandwiches, it's one of my top three. And also, I need to say, do you go to the little marketplace at the end? Like the little... It's not the food court. It's like the downstairs oh, like, food it's area like where you tiny, buy a package like grocery stuff. store almost. Yeah. Yes. And buy like five jars of lingonberry. I usually am so worn out from the furniture part of the store that I usually like I'll like skim through it. But I feel like <gasps> it needs it needs its own like it needs its moment. It's one of my favorite things. They have these like oatmeal cookies with like chocolate on them. that dark crispy. Oh, They're so good. They're one of my favorite delicious. cookies on the planet. And actually, you can get the sweet, the frozen meatballs. Yeah. So you can just easily make them at home. You can get that lingonberry in there. They also will sometimes they'll have like um like a mulled spritzer drink kind of thing that looks like a wine. It's not a wine, but it's a mulled. Yeah. Oh no, it's grog. Grog. Uh, grog. grog. It's okay. actually a Swedish drink. Yeah, but it's like a mulled juice. Yeah. Situation. I'm sorry, I got excited when I remember no, the word because yeah. it's been a second. And then what else? I don't know. I, I love that little marketplace. <laughs> I haven't uh, been like actually in a couple of years, but I'm when I've been there in the past, I always talk. And the, um, what is it? The dames? Yeah. yeah. Those like toffee candies. Ooh. They're toffee covered in chocolate. Yep. I love mm-hmm. a toffee. I love chocolate. Literally, they, there's like, you know what? I want to go and because I haven't been since I've been to like that part of the world and just i want to see because they fucking love salted licorice there like salted black licorice is mm-hmm. like the fucking bee's knees over mm-hmm. there 
They have like so many things flavored like it and so many variations of just salted black licorice. I had this salted black licorice liqueur that was like fireball, but salted black licorice flavored. Like just something you just take pulls right off the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> and like I love salted I I love black licorice and the saltiness. So like I'm like fine, whatever, but like I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. Do you like black licorice? not really but i do like um it's weird because i like natural licorice flavors like anise Mm. yeah oh like anise yeah yeah anise i always forget how to say i think i learned how to say it anise and now i say it wrong but say it however you want nobody's gonna be that offended there's no anise stands out there coming for us do really Ooh, now i know what i'm gonna have next week uh, <laughs> I do really like to put it in like tea, or, oh, yeah. <clears throat> which apparently I need now. I keep losing my voice. I don't know what's up. It's weird. It's the time of year. But yeah, I like to put it in tea or like, I mean, hot toddies are even better. Ooh, I never even thought to put it in a hot toddy. That would be delicious. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes like a, like a stewed apple or something will be good with a little anise. See, my, like, Anise point of reference, I feel like that I always, like, whenever I think Anise, this is what I think of as, like, um, for, like, uh, Dia de los Muertos Pan, like, the Day of the Dead Bread. Uh-huh, I had yeah. to make it for um, Spanish class one time, and that has uh, Anise, Anise, and it, mm. and it had, like, an orange juice glaze, which was interesting, but it was <sighs> delicious. It was just, like, a sweet, kind of spicy bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good, you can't have it strong, but it's a very good accompanying flavor for yes. like. Yes, it's kind of like clove in my mind where it's like. Oh, yeah. You can't have too much clove. It's reminds me of Bake Off when someone used a clove, like a whole clove to make like a fake fruit decoration. And one of the like the co-hosts, I think it was Matt Lucas, like bit into it. And he was, they're like, oh, no, that that's like, that's a whole clove. Don't do that. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my uh-huh. mouth is going down. I do numb. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which Bake Off, I finally watched the finale. I finally, like, even though I kind of, like, I hate it because Google kind of spoils it for me. We oh. could say spoiler alert, fast forward, like, a minute. We, you know, we won't say it. We won't say it. But yeah, we can leave it a mystery because I have a feeling at least one person yeah. listening hasn't seen it. And it's not like something we were talking about, like this aired 10 years, like Gossip Girl. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, if it was uh, old, I wouldn't care. Yes, because I hate spoilers because Google would always spoil it for me because like, like on my phone, there's like a Google Now section, which is basically like Taylor's news to like your interests based on your searches mm-hmm. and stuff. So like Bake Off comes up a lot and it airs two days earlier in the UK. So there's articles written about it before it actually comes out in Netflix. So like a lot of the okay. times I'll just be scrolling through my news feed and it's like, oh, so-and-so went home. Everyone's pissed off. And I'm like, fuck, I didn't want to know. But then I also like forget. I'm like, I don't want to say I'm not interested in Great British Bake Off because I do like the article sometimes, but it's just like I got to be more careful when like. It's just not when you're they're early for you. Yeah, I got to just be like, I do the same thing with Drag Race where like I can't watch them until at least the day after because I don't have cable. So I usually buy like a season pass. Mm hmm. And then, like, I have to, like, avoid all social media until I watch it because I don't want it spoiled for me. Because it's always <laughs> such a bummer because then, like, you're just watching the whole episode, watching for that person to slip up. And it's like, 
why'd they get sent home? Why'd they get sent home? Like this, the slip. Oh, that was it. Fuck, that was it. They're going home for that. And, you know, it just ruins it because then you're just stressed out the whole time. It's, unless it's someone you don't like. And then you're like, oh, yeah, they just tripped. Good for them. Going I got, home. I have like mixed feelings, though, because sometimes, too, it's interesting to watch from a different perspective. It, oh, definitely. I'm not going to say I like spoilers or want spoilers, but I don't think they like upset me as much as they upset some people. Oh, definitely. Because I think it's just like a different type of watch. So I guess like you miss out on the other type. But yeah, sometimes I kind of like that uh, study, as it were, of like, ooh, why? Let me just pay close attention here. I feel like that like that on my second or third watch through because like I'll usually watch episodes more than once. Mm-hmm. But like with Drag Race, I missed they used to put Untucked on YouTube which is like the behind the scenes during like the deliberation okay. for elimination. Mm-hmm. So like that, like they'll air like during the regular episode, they show the judges deliberating, but during untucked, it shows like the room backstage where all the contestants sit after either declared safe and getting to go back or like just gotten like ripped into by the judges. Yeah. And it's like just like 20 minutes, like the 20 minutes of them backstage, like kind of like, seeing like the drama that unfolds or like oh i'm definitely going home they go sit in the corner and listen to the lip sync song (laughs) and so what i used to do is i'd watch up until right after the deliberation pause the episode go watch untucked and then pause untucked before they got to the point because like they'd end untucked with like the person who went home like them getting like a special little like them packing up their stuff and like leaving Mm -hmm. Like coming in after. Yeah. yeah. So then I would pause Untucked, finish the episode and figure out who went home and then go back and finish Untucked. But like Untucked is now considered its own series. So like I had to buy a season pass for nobody's interested in this anymore. But I love Drag Race. A very intense process. Yeah. No, I love like, Are I don't you? know. I love a process like with a weekly release show. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Very like. And very just like anal about <laughs> chronologically witnessing this, apparently. I don't think I've <laughs> ever done anything like that. Like I said, I'm type A minus. I'm type A about real stupid things, which I think is like the funnest way to be type A. Most fun. Yeah, funnest isn't a word. It's the most fun way to be type A because I'm really just like anal and paranoid about stupid things that don't matter. And so mm-hmm. it's like. It's not that serious. So yeah. I think it's a fun way. It's fun. I enjoy being taped yeah. in That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh <laughs> like the bond thing I did with the 112 question questionnaire. Yeah, I I definitely don't do anything like that. I just serial watch things or watch them again. I just apparently get real wrapped up and like I need to know my thoughts on every single one of these and I need to have a scale to grade them against. And it's funny too because like I haven't gone back and looked at any of like my data, but I just know it's there. It just gives you comfort. Yeah, and I've been rewatching them lately too, which mm-hmm. has been fun because like I just rewatched all the Pierce Brosnan ones, which are interesting because it's like very 90s and also like kind of brings back the camp of the 70s you know my thoughts on bond <laughs> yeah i know i know <laughs> sorry no it's fine it's just it's a lot of bond talk this year <laughs> i know general. i'm going to lend you my bond 50 collection so you can watch at least don't bother with the roger moores but if you're interested 
I'll like give you a selection of like the five I think you should watch. Let's start with one. One. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. I just. I'm not sure. How do you feel about action movies? Not an action movie, home. I say that I'm not, but then once I usually start thinking about it, there are some I like. That's how I am too. Like Bonds are like my action movies that I like. I'd like. It's the only action series I follow. I can't think of an action movie right now that I like. <laughs> okay. I don't know, but I feel like anytime I think that, then I'm proven wrong by something. It's just hard to pigeonhole genres, that, especially yeah. that broad, you know? I think in general, though, I'm not. And honestly, too, in movies that have action but are not necessarily action movies, first and foremost. Yeah. Usually the action scenes are my least favorite. Fair. Not always. There's been a few times that I've been like, that was good. But usually, in my opinion, they're either too long or the way that they're shot, oh, everything happens so quick, it's hard to, like, follow and keep suit. When a movie gets over two hours... I will say, actually, Game of Thrones had some action scenes that I did like, which was rare for me. So I think it all depends because like the Kingsman series is interesting because it has a lot of action scenes, but they shoot them in a very interesting choreographed way. Like it's not like like this type of fighting and like action that they're Mm -hmm. doing is very clearly not possible. It's like they hit fast forward. And so everyone's moving like at a hyper speed, but they're like, Mm-hmm. slow it down in certain parts and just kind of and I think the stylized aspect of it is very interesting I don't remember it at all I just know I've seen the first one in the theater yeah <laughs> but I don't remember it yeah again it's like one of those things I think I love it so much because I love Bond and it's kind of like an homage to spy the, the spy thriller genre I mean, that's definitely completely understandable. I also see I don't get that into spy movies unless they're like a spoof one. Fair. I will say, I know I liked the Born Identity when it first came out, but I've also not seen any of the other Born movies. I guess like I can be entertained, but I don't seek them out. Yeah. Just because there's so much to watch. <laughs> that, oh, like, I know. If I'm sitting down to watch something. It's not that one last comment about Bond and then we can move on. But like part of the fun to the Bond series is sometimes they're unintentional spoofs of spy movies because like just the way they've aged or even just how they were written originally. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like campy. Like Mm -hmm. I love when it's unintentionally campy and it's like (laughs) they were trying to be serious here and they just missed the mark. Mm hmm. Um. <laughs> yes. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. That'll be all the blo- all the Bond talk for 2020 has been done. I will not talk about Bond until 2021. I, I was just about to say, is there like a genre that like you just love? I know you watched that new Hulu Christmas movie with Kristen mm-hmm. Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. Stewart. Um, yeah. Happiest Season. Yeah, I, I haven't it. watched it yet, but like, mm-hmm. it looks really good. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know what genre that would be because it wasn't. It's not a comedy. There's comedic moments, but it's not like a I guess it's a drama, but it's not a drama drama. You know what I mean? Like a dramedy. Yeah. Holiday dramedy. So. It was a heart tugger. Did you ever see Parasite? Not yet, actually. It's on Hulu. I've had it in my queue. It's definitely one you have to be in the mood for, though. So definitely. Yeah, movies like that I like to watch with a person for some reason. Fair. 
I don't know. I only watch comedies or like dramedies basically by myself. <laughs> and what's interesting about Parasite is it's it falls under so many genres that like it's hard to kind of say what kind of movie it is. And if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's just such an interesting movie. It's kind of one of those movies that I feel like it's just such an intense movie. I like need to be with somebody for some reason. I mean, I not to say I don't watch those type of movies, but like you said, there has to be a certain kind of mood for me. Definitely. It's definitely like I acknowledge that some movies, they are better as a social experience because Mm -hmm. you like to have someone else to like react with and to kind Mm. of process with that it's helpful. Yeah. I think that's it is like, I just want to know I can have a conversation (laughs) about it afterwards. Exactly. Like talking during movies is a very decisive top. I was just talking about this yesterday. Do you do it? It, it very much depends on the vibe and have I seen the movie before and who am I with? Because if Mm -hmm. it's a movie that I love and I'm showing it to people for the first time, I'll be tempted to talk during it, but I want them to focus, so I won't. But if it's a movie like that I know we've all seen and we're just watching because the experience, I love talking through a movie like that. Mm -hmm. But if it's something I haven't seen before or it's something that I'm trying to give as an experience to someone else, I don't like talking during a movie. I tried to read the room. If we're talking pure enjoyment, I do like to talk during the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly if you have a pause button available anyway. Oh, yeah. Definitely appreciate a pause if it's going to be like more than just a comment, you Mm know. I was going to say, but I also just really like making observations (laughs) Mm -hmm. and saying them out loud and moving on. And that's not all movies. My favorite to do it during is a good Hallmark Christmas movie or a Lifetime holiday movie of some sort because... It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And they're super fun to comment during. Those are the type of movies, yeah, I love talking to. One time I like was Snapchatting with a friend during one and I kept sending my reactions because they had just watched it like the night before. Oh, I love doing that too. Just like. Yes. Like it's because of that. If there's a movie and I'm like, I really like there's sometimes where like I really want to focus on this movie and not be distracted by anything. Mm-hmm. I will either like turn my cell phone off or go put it in a completely different room, completely over the top, unnecessary, ridiculous. But then like I'll go downstairs and watch the movie. And that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, but like it all depends on the vibe of the movie and everything. Yes. But yeah, let me get that story. So it is about a well-known burlesque performer. Oh, yes. Have you ever heard of Lottie the Body? I have not, but I love that name. I do, too. We're going to talk about how she got that name, too, uh, in a second. But first, I do want to say that, as you'll see when I get to my sources, my information came from a lot of places. This was like sewing together a quilt of sorts, like a lot of pieces kind of coming together into one. Yeah. There was a lot of information that disagreed with information from other sources but luckily there's also like a lot of uh interviews i found with her or transcripts from interviews i found with her Mm -hmm. and obviously that information trumped other information i had oh definitely it at some point came from her mouth but i did my best to compile put it all together and compile in a way i cannot say that this is 100 accurate because there are inaccuracies all throughout the stuff but 
She was such a fascinating woman. I can't, I couldn't not talk totally. about her. Once and like, I you know, learned. this whole podcast, we've been like, we're mostly factual. We do the best we can. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you know anything that's we've said that's wrong, we're always welcome to the oh, suggestions. For sure. So, for sure. I'm excited about this. So, we're going to start October 31st, 1930. Ooh. And the Bristols, who were both born in Barbados, give birth to a baby girl named Laddie in Syracuse, New York. Some people say it was one of the Carolinas, but she said Syracuse, New York. <laughs> Example okay. one. Uh, I won't tell you every time, but <laughs> yeah, we're starting off strong. So she and her three siblings were raised between either Syracuse. She's also said she spent a lot of time in the actual city of New York, Okay, uh, but I can't find a specific timeline for it. And actually, Alaska, there was some bouncing back and forth. Yeah. And she grew up playing baseball, basketball, and eventually began studying ballet. And that was probably around the age of eight or nine. Okay. Her parents' home was listed in the, it was called the Green Book, which was for black musicians and performers who couldn't stay in hotels due to segregation in the 1940s. Mm -hmm. So she got to see like a lot of incoming like musicians and performers and stuff staying in their house. Oh, nice. Which was probably cool exposure for her. That is super cool. So she would actually find work, though, while she was still in school. And in the early 1940s, she started performing with Whitey's Lindy Hoppers. Okay. And this was a popular dance group in the 40s out of Harlem, uh, ran by a guy named Whitey. Okay. uh, Due to, I guess he had like a large white, like chunk of hair. Okay. Hence his name. Love it. And the group traveled around the country performing what's called the Lindy Hop, which is basically a combination of jazz, tap, swing, and more. I've heard the term Lindy Hop before, but I never really like bothered knowing what it was. But that's interesting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard it too, but I was just like, old time of dance. Exactly. Yeah. And when she wasn't traveling, she also found work as a model for art students at Syracuse University. One day, she posed for a student sculptor named Pee Wee. Okay. And she said to him that her name was Lottie, and he told her, and you have a body. There we go. Nickname, Lottie, Lottie the, the body, body was given. Yeah. So eventually, though, Lindy Hop craze kind of died down and the touring stopped. And she quickly discovered that demand for black dancers was few and far between. And it led her to studying the art of burlesque. Nice. Yeah, it had the side benefit, too, of faring very well with her new nickname. Definitely. <laughs> she studied with a very su- successful choreographer named Catherine Dunham, who, side note, also worked with Eartha Kitt. Ooh. So, mm-hmm. One of the Catwomen. Yes. Santa Baby, as it were, too. Yzma. Mm-hmm. Catherine had studied all over the world, focusing on Caribbean and African influences within dance. And so she was probably a pretty awesome teacher to have. Oh, definitely. In the late 40s, Lottie found herself in San Francisco. And this was around the age of 18 or so. And she met and married an Air Force lieutenant stationed nearby. Don't know his name. She spent most of her time, though, performing at jazz clubs, often in the Fillmore District, and developed routines filled with beautiful gowns and soon began to travel to perform often around the world, which she would actually continue to do for the next few decades or so. Mm -hmm. But she and that husband ended up divorcing, and this made room for her to meet a new partner, a man about nine years her senior. She was at a baseball game, of all things, where he played first base. His name was Reese Tatum, 
and soon they were married. Not right. sure how soon, but soon. Here's a little twist, though. He was not only a baseball player, but also part of the basketball team, the Harlem Globetrotters. Nice. Uh-huh. I know about them because Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually more well-known as Goose Tatum and for being the clown prince of the Globetrotters. Again, great title. Yeah, he was like six foot four, and apparently he was just like a real kind of goofy, like funny to watch person, kind of always like hamming it up. So Globetrotters were the perfect love that for him kind of combination of sports and comedy yeah performance so, it's like it was like performance, sports performance. That's the word I was like, yeah yeah exactly and this actually benefited her too because she actually got some unfortunately unpaid opportunities though to MC the games uh-huh. and she actually even ended up traveling with them a little bit and this skill came quite naturally to her she just had charisma 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 and We'll get to more of that. But like people loved her. Yeah. (laughs) The stage loved her. Everything loved her. While reminiscing about the relationship, she once said, Well, he was quite a bit older. I still performed and traveled with the team to Cuba. I met Castro. (laughs) Okay, cool. Then she went on to say that at the time of meeting Castro, she thought he was quite pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, ooh. Yep. Awkward. Yeah. I think later she learned yeah yeah but also the the, there's a lot of great quotes from her so this will be a very quote heavy episode so i love that hopefully that's cool no definitely (laughs) especially after some of the quotes from last week i i love i appreciate a quote Mm -hmm. she's just again charismatic 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 so she she had a way with words so this marriage only lasted for about four years though so i'm not exactly sure but somewhere in her early 20s she discovered that he was cheating on her when he impregnated another woman. What a douche. I know. When she was asked about the divorce much later, she said, Because he lied. So that's typical with some marriages, you know. Hey, I wasn't losing anything. Just a friend. Oh. Yeah, because they were like good friends, too. That sucks. Yeah. But it seems like literally nothing would keep this woman down. She just like. Ain't nothing gonna break Kinda her keeps going. Ain't nothing gonna yeah. slow her down. Oh no. Oh. She's got to keep on moving. All right. Sorry. So during the, that's why. So during the late forties, early fifties kind of time period, she started performing in Arthur Briggs Idlewild Review and Paradise Club in Idlewild, Michigan. Ooh. So a little side journey here. Yes. So let's talk about Idlewild. Which actually has nothing to do with the 2006 movie featuring Andre 3000 and Big Boy from Outcast. Uh, unfortunate that weren't connected, <laughs> but I love that you mentioned it still because <laughs> I have never heard of it and it's wilded and I love it. Oh, you haven't? It no. was a it was like a big musical movie. Like it's all uh, like that. tons of music in it. It probably it got lot. some low reviews, but it looked. I remember it looked at me like I wanted to see it so bad. And sometimes then if like, you get a low review, it's still entertaining. It may yeah, not have been true. the most quality of films. That's true. I still should probably see it someday. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> this Idlewild was uh, the one we're actually talking about. Is an unincorporated community just east of Baldwin, in okay. the Manistee Forest kind of area of the state. So like West Side. South of Traverse City. I've actually been to Baldwin, I think, or at least like oh. driven past it. I remember seeing it on a map mm-hmm. or a sign. I've camped near there a few times. It's beautiful over there. Yeah. 
In the first half of the 20th century, it was one of the few resorts where black Americans were welcome to vacation and purchase property because pre-civil rights movement. Yeah. The community itself was started in 1912 and it was active year round and pulled in a lot of amazing performers. It was also nicknamed Black Eden of Michigan. At its peak, it would bring in as many as 25,000 to 30,000 visitors at the height of summer for oh, like nice. every fun outdoor thing you can think of, like camping, fishing, all those kind of things. Yeah. And entertainment because the entertainment yeah. was just like huge. After the civil rights movement, though, in 1964, Idlewild became less of a destination because there were more and more places for people to go to. Yeah. And by the mid 70s, it had pretty much died down. I, I didn't write this down, but I know in 2019, the census came back with like a thousand residents. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So she performed there a lot with, we'll talk about other famous people. She performed alongside in a few, but just they yeah. loved her there. <laughs> so we'll get back to Laddie and we're going to talk a little bit about her actual act. Okay. So she used Afro-Cuban music and choreography and, of course, elaborate costumes. Love it. We're talking like rhinestones imported from Montreal. Ooh, we love an imported rhinestone. Yes. (laughs) Ostrich feathers. Oh, the best feather. One costume eventually featured a white fox that would, like, wrap around her. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. And she never... fully nude though and part of that was it was illegal at the time so top and bottom both had to be covered at least a little bit let me tell you every record of her just talks about how absolutely dazzling she was i mean with a name like lottie with the bot lottie of the body and just the fact she emceed for the harlan grotos i expect nothing less yeah i love this for her so everyone who was lucky enough to come across her was basically enchanted by her a racketeer in Indiana even built a club for her and called it the Pink Poodle. Fun. Mm-hmm. In one interview, she mentioned that a lot of couples would come to shows. She went on to say, I've been told that I was sexy and sensual, but never offensive to women. In fact, a pregnant woman even came to me once to thank me. She and her husband had seen my show on the night they went home and conceived their child. I was so pleased at that. I love that. I know. It's so cute and sweet. Oh. This woman makes makes me happy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> on top of her being a huge force on the stage, she was also a big supporter of other performers. Like we we all have that hype friend, you know what I mean? Like one who yes. just keeps pushing them up, and that was her. And one of whom she met was named Christine Jorgensen, who was the first known transgender performer in the U.S., and they became lifelong friends. She would talk about their friendship often, saying, We were both born around the same time in New York. Christine was born a man, but in the 1950s had sex change surgeries in Denmark. She returned to the U.S. and became a stage performer. I loved doing shows with her. I felt honored to be invited to perform in the Jewel Box Review with artists and drag and others like Christine. She was a great talent and a wonderful person. I especially got a kick out of watching her sing, I enjoy being a girl. She did enjoy it. Christine passed from cancer in 1989, and I will always miss her. Oh, that is so sweet. I love this woman. I know. know. It just kept getting better. (laughs) It was just like, oh. Just a queen. Literal queen. I almost cried. I know. I've gotten a little teary-eyed myself. Just this woman is amazing. And I knew it was coming. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it really do be like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. We have no choice but to stand. Yeah. 
So she also performed alongside other greats, such as Billie Holiday, Sammy Davis Jr., Aretha Franklin, Miles Davis, Bessie Smith, B.B. King, Louis Armstrong, Martha Reeves, and the Four Tops, just to name a few. I mean, it's an iconic lineup. So she never let any of it go to her head, though, or in her words, just like I've always done. I live my life in the most loving way I know how, because that's what life is all about. Lottie the body may have brought me fame, but Lottie the woman has always cared most about the same thing, sharing whatever gifts I have to make people happy. Just an absolute (laughs) legend icon star. I cannot. Treasure. This is a treasure. Better watch out, Nicolas Cage is going to steal her because she is a national oh. treasure. <laughs> yes. I should actually mention, too, she did actually travel the world, too, with her various acts and such. Like International treasure. Yes, there we go. A lot of it was the U.S., but yeah, some international there, too. Somewhere in the late 50s, early 60s, she not only owned a record store for a few years called Lottie the Body's Records. Love it. She also met, in her words, the handsome. Yeah. The why can't I say handsomest? It's a it's a hard word. The handsomest man I ever met, a high end clothing salesman from Detroit named Oscar Graves. And then she goes on to say, "We married, and that's how I got to Detroit." His noted brother Robert Graves was good looking too. Okay, I put this in because it's going to be confusing in a minute. Yep. Okay. And this is one of the things I can't figure out, and I looked at a lot of sources. But those were her words. So that's, yeah. yeah. By 1960, so somewhere around the age of 30, she found herself in the city of Detroit. Love that. I don't think she was married to this man yet, though. I think she moved here and then they got married, possibly. She also secured a position at the 20 Grand Nightclub and became a headliner. And she was soon to be known as the Gypsy Rose of Detroit. Love it. So Gypsy Rose being a very popular entertainer at the Not time of gypsy road to blanchard very different but that gypsy rose was named after this oh gypsy no rose. yeah definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs> and again this is a little bit uh fuzzy i think she and oscar must have divorced because later it said in many places said and she even later in her life talks about her husband robert nicknamed bob graves so she married his brother. Yeah. Ooh. Either she was married to his brother from the beginning or this other thing happened. So I'm not sure exactly because there were very different pieces of information and it's yeah. hard to discern what was correct. But they actually they had the marriage papers, but her and Robert never officially had a ceremony. So they never went through with the whole thing. They just yeah. had the paperwork for the whole thing. So it was never legal. Just almost legal. <laughs> I didn't realize that without a ceremony. Oh, like, do you have to like, go do it in front of a judge or something? Or, like, yeah, I think you need the marriage license, but gotcha. you need to actually have a ceremony with your what is it like two witnesses and then some sort of officiant? Yep, I think that's I think that's it. all you need is an officiant, two witnesses, and then the couple. I think even the officiant can be one of the witnesses. Can they? Okay, I should know this because I am an officiant. <laughs> That's good to know. I don't know about marriage laws, but um, I can marry people. Yeah. So, but so yeah, you need both pieces to make it official. So I think you have to have the witnesses sign. So without that ceremony, ceremony doesn't have to be big, but you have to have a ceremony of some sort. Yeah. Which is interesting. That is. Huh. Never thought about that. 
Yeah. Side note too, the house that they lived in together was a few houses down from Jimmy Hoffa's mother. Okay. And uh, but Jimmy Hoffa strikes again. <laughs> we'll find him someday. Probably not, but we can yeah. keep saying that. So obviously she was around during the civil rights movement and she was a civil rights supporter and really just a people supporter in general, like as previously mentioned. But in her own words, she experienced her, quote, own sort of civil rights movement. So basically, she was so revered that while she experienced discrimination on occasion, there were many times that she actually didn't. She spoke of occasionally not being allowed in the club or two, which is I hate reading about. I mean, I don't hate reading about this part of history because it's part of history and it's important to know and acknowledge it. But I also it's still sad. It's part of history. Yeah, it's sad, but important to know. Yeah, it's important to know to rectify and to not let it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in general, she would just basically like march wherever she went or wanted to go into. Uh, she, she she was Lottie the body. You cannot stop her. She was Lottie the body. Yeah, exactly. Like she just she she did her thing. Yeah. She never you know bad an eyelash or anything like that. And she was usually welcomed. And I imagine she also just kind of like had confidence exuding from her. Oh, definitely. It didn't say that, but like it just really seemed like that. And there's a few clips I watched of her as an older woman, you know, just reminiscing and talking yeah. and it just oh, what a peach. Yes. And there was this actually this one story about she was going to a Chinese restaurant next to Brass Rail in downtown Detroit, which she was the Brass Rail star at the point because it was more of like a club kind of situation. Yeah. She did her performance there. The waitress refused to serve her, and so she went back to her old stomping ground and was like, this just happened. And this led to the son of the owner of Brass Rail, Brass Rail marching next door and telling the maitre d' of the restaurant that she was their star. If they couldn't serve her, they couldn't serve anyone. Needless to say, she never had trouble getting Chinese food there again. And a month later, the restaurant opened their doors to everyone. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, in addition to this, she was also the first black woman to dance on television in Alaska. Nice. She was invited to like fancy summer homes by <laughs> rich families, such as the Dodge family. Okay. Mm-hmm. She tells a story about a foreign leader's wife who had just like millions of pairs of shoes taking her shoe shopping and buying her. Was it Imelda Stone? Shoes. It didn't say. Okay. It just said a foreign leader's wife. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't think that's her last name. That's Imelda something. Imelda Marcos. Anyway. I don't know. The only reason I know it is because uh, Manila Luzon did her on the Snatch Game. It was hilarious. Oh, okay, okay. Well, this would have been... Actually, I don't know what time period that was in because it... Yeah. It didn't say. Yeah. So after spending about 20 years or so with Robert, the not-husband-husband... He was getting kind of lonely because she still traveled quite a bit, worked quite a bit, and he found someone else. Damn. Yeah. How are you going to do her like that? That's twice. Yeah. Damn, Lottie. It gets worse. Oh, um, no. He left their home, which left her unable to pay all the bills on her own. So even though she was really successful, she couldn't pay her own heat or hot water bill, which mm. that's messed up. That is. And to make matters worse, his new partner would harass her, going as far as, like, throwing eggs and other petty things. Oh. She does not deserve that. But do you think this got her down? No. No. She's a queen. Yeah. 
so she kind of just continued with the career for a while and she stopped traveling for dance not super long after that though Mm-hmm. into her 50s she actually started emceeing more because again she had a natural ability for it and people just loved her she retired at the age of 61 so this is like the early 1990s okay. and guess who showed up not too long after i don't know well her long lost love robert <laughs> oh he came back after 20 years <laughs> but the story is if you have a Kleenex, just grab it. So he showed up at the door and it was the same house they had once lived in together. And he brought her a present, a beige linen suit. She thought, that's odd, but it's nice to see him. And thank you for the present. And yeah. she offered to model it for him, which he loved. So she models it. She then asked him to stay for dinner that night, made a stew. He reminisced about loving her cooking and apologized. He admitted that he was stupid and didn't know why he ever left her. She basically forgave him instantly, and they got busy. Oh, These are the details that she was giving. She goes on to talk about afterwards, while they were laying there, having a cigarette and relaxing, while Robert complained about the pistons, <laughs> when all of a sudden, I'm sorry, but he gasped and stopped breathing. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. She called an ambulance, but it was too late. He had died of some heart complications. Upon talking to his niece, she discovered that his that he knew about this condition. Mm-hmm. And she then realized that the white linen suit was to wear to his funeral. Oh, my God. That is. Oh, that is so much. I know. Lottie. <laughs> like, she. Yeah. But she continued to live her life. As a queen does. Mm-hmm. Here's another quote from her. I loved my life. I lived the life I love, but I love the life I lived. Again, a queen. She just truly did what she wanted and got, you mm-hmm. know what? I love this for her. What? A- mm-hmm. And a few years later, she met and married a man named Willie Claiborne. Okay. Who would remain with her the rest of her life. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. It is noted that they had a soulmate type connection and they would get to spend 25 beautiful years together living in the Lafayette Park area. Love that. She spent her years with him cooking, watching, dancing with the stars, going to mass, visiting with friends and going out to dinner. Oh. Mm-hmm. So she lived a life of no regrets. And because I can't help it, I do have, I did not know when this happened. I just found this randomly in an interview, but I have to share this one quote. Okay. I once married a well-known professional athlete in Juarez, Mexico, and thought it was love. That is until finding out that not only was he bisexual, he was on the lam from the police for having transported a minor girl across state lines. We strayed right where we were in Juarez, supposedly for our honeymoon. We got a divorce, and he left to go marry the girl to avoid being thrown in jail. So I was thinking that maybe marriage wasn't for me. I hadn't done a very good job of picking out a husband. Damn. I don't know when that happened, but that also happened at some point. Okay. Yeah. So she passed away February 28th of this year at the age of 89, having truly lived a life. Yes. What a fucking queen. Mm -hmm. What an inspiration. Yeah, and it should be noted, too, she received recognition, awards, 
other things. There's talk of her in the documentary Standing in the Shadows of Motown. There's also a documentary in development right now called Black Bombshell featuring women of color in burlesque's history. Obviously, Lottie will be one of the the people discussed in that as well. When does that... And Do you know when that comes out? Because I'm actually very interested in that. Uh, I it's went to the, the website. It's in the works. Obviously, they do have some footage, though, because if you go to the... I, I think it was... If you look up Black Bombshell, I'm sure you'll find it. If not, I can send okay. you the quote, too. Yeah. Or, or the website, too. But there there is, like, a little trailer. Okay. Love that. I'm I'm very uh, interested in the topic. I think it just... Yes, yeah. it intrigues me. Like I want to, I want to know more. And I'm going to leave with one last quote because again, yes, we love a just, quote. Yeah. If I were to give advice to a young woman today, it would be live your dreams just like I did. If I could make it in a time where there was everything going against me, a teenage African American female in a highly competitive profession during racist times, you can do whatever it is you desire to do. Just remember me, Lottie the Body. If I could do it, you can too. Oh my God. I love this woman. What a, mm-hmm. like, again, legend icon star, what an inspiration. And just like, I'm so happy to know about her now. Thank you so much for doing this topic. Yeah. I've, see, I'd heard the name, but I didn't know. I, I think I knew she was a dancer of some sort, but I didn't know anything more than that. Like, just what an amazing life. <sighs> yeah. Once I got into it, I was just like, I love her. Yes, me too. I love her. And she just, she would often, she had no regrets. Yeah. No regrets for anything. And, you know, yeah, she, she did have a bunch of uh, relationships that didn't work out and such. And there's no regrets there though. You know, it, it just goes to show. It just didn't work out. No. And I mean like, yeah, but we look at this woman and we're like, this woman's amazing. But everybody's got their kind of like setbacks. Yeah. Is it where it's what you do with them? And I love that. And yes. Lottie the body, just lock that in your brain. Keep it yes. there. Whenever you need her, just remember her. Let her be all of our guides. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, what a great episode. Just because, like, what I am so happy that to know now, and I'm so happy that people are gonna know more people are gonna know about her now, and just yeah, like me too. such an uplifting episode to just like you know the weird the world's weird right now, and so yeah. this was just such an amazing story. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, I do want to m- mention my sources because yes, there was yes, quite yes. a few of them. Uh, there was a YouTube video by I'm sorry if I say this name wrong, Sensei Ashitamasu. Okay. Uh, called Hidden Figures, Lottie the Body Graves, an article on Messi NSCchic.com, a Metro Times article called R.I.P. Lottie the Body, the Detroit Burlesque Bombshell Who Danced Across Racial Lines, a David Clements Productions.com article, Lottie the Body Built Like Two Stacks of Pancakes. There is a lot of Lottie, a lot of Lottie online. Love it. Oh, two more articles. Har- Harlem of the West SF.com. Called Lottie the Body Graves Claiborne, and an article from bbbar.com. <laughs> In Lottie's own words, farewell to a burlesque legend. Uh, and a little Wikipedia, a tiny bit of Wikipedia, but that's pretty much assumed at this point that yeah. Wikipedia is it used it. Yeah. Like, but yeah, that was great. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was. Again, very, the more I got into it, I was very excited to 
to share it with you. Definitely. Well, obviously, you earned a two-truths lie. Yay! I was hoping. <laughs> and I decided to, my background was very telling, do it on Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. You've seen Christmas vacation, oh, right? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's been a second, but I've seen it. <laughs> I've already watched it once this year with my family, and so... Oh, yeah, you mentioned it's that. One of the, it's one of the three Christmas movies you watch every year. That, Home Alone, and Four Christmases, so... Mm-hmm. Found some fun facts on Mental Floss, of course, our favorite. Fa- Love it. <laughs> favorite Two Truths and a Lie. So fact number one. Uh-huh. It's based on a short story called Christmas 59, written by Harold Ramis for the National Lampoon. Okay. Fact number two. It's mm-hmm. one of only two Christmas movies released in 1989, the other being Prancer, that also starred Johnny Galecki. <gasps> I jo- loved Prancer as a child. <laughs> I've never seen it, but it was. Uh, I don't of- know if it would hold up, but Fair. I was obsessed because I was the right age for that movie. Go of on. course. Uh, Mae Questel, who played Aunt Bethany in the film, got her start playing the voice of Betty Boop in 1931. I'm going to go with number two being the lie. No, that's true. There was only two Christmas movies released that year. Isn't that crazy? To think like a normal ass year to only have two Christmas movies. And the fact that both Christmas movies had Johnny Galecki in it. Like, I think that's how movies were then, though, too. You know what I mean? Because like it was a big deal. Whereas now we have like Netflix, a Netflix release and a Hulu release and a theater release. And yeah, so I think it was more common. But maybe that's still a very low number. Okay. Um, wait. What was number the number one statement again? Then it's based on a short story called Christmas Fifty Nine, written by Harold Ramis for the National Lampoon. Um, this is tricky because I thought both of those were so true. Like I thought, like in my head, I was like one and three are true because they sound true. I'm pretty sure the Betty Boop thing is true though, so I'm just gonna go with one being the lie. One is the lie. It was written okay, by ahead. John Hughes, oh. not Harold Ramis. Oh. Interesting. Really? Yeah, I, I didn't know it was a John Hughes movie either. And it's like interesting because the article talked about how like he didn't like sequels. And this is very much a sequel because it's a series. That was a really good lie, by the way. And also, nice choice of person. I literally went to, to Wikipedia to look at uh, who was who else was involved in National Lampoon because I don't know very much about National Lampoon. The reason I thought that had to be true is because you chose him. And I was like, I don't think Alex knows much about him. I literally, I like went to Wikipedia. I'm like, I'm going to make this a tricky one. Oh, yeah. Only because like the Ghostbusters episode, I was like, oh, yeah, he doesn't know who that is. I sure don't. <laughs> I sure and I was just like he was the only other writer mentioned in the Wikipedia page. I'm like, all right, it's got to be him. Well done. OK, OK, go on, though. I have some other fun facts. So yeah, Betty Boop is true. That one I knew for some reason, but it was one of those I would have never known if you hadn't asked it. Like it was in the deep recesses. Like I've seen it. I've heard it. Right. Like when I read that, I'm like, oh, I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. This was also her last film credit, but like she lived another nine years and passed away uh, in 89 or 98 at the age of 89. Okay. Uh, some other fun facts. So Audrey, the character, somehow aged faster than Rusty because in the first two movies in the Vacation series, Rusty was thought to be the older sibling. And then Christmas Vacation, she's the older sibling. Oh, I love her, by the way. It's Juliette, Juliette Lewis, Lewis, right? Yes. I, love I Juli- adore yeah. Juliette Lewis. It's been a second since I've seen it. So I was like, that's who I'm seeing in my head. <laughs> yes. 
It's the only vacation sequel to get a sequel of its own uh, in the form of a made-for-TV movie in 2003 called, like, Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island or something like that. And, like, it's basically about Cousin Eddie being stranded on an island in the South Pacific for the holidays. I remember seeing a commercial for it. I I remember, like, looking it up because, like, I I remember reading about the vacation series. It was a Wikipedia hole I fell in a Mm -hmm. couple years ago. But it has an 11% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and Audrey is the only Griswold to make an appearance in the film, but obviously it wasn't Juliette Lewis. She had better things going on in 2003. Mm-hmm. Well, they changed the kids a few times, like Vegas Vacation. Oh, definitely. Vacation. Like it, I don't think... I love Vegas Vacation, too, actually. It's funny, because John Hughes meant... I think that was the only vacation movie John Hughes wasn't involved in. Oh, well, it was much later. Oh, definitely. It was like like 95 or 97. Yeah. Maybe even 99. I don't know. How many are there? There's four, I think. It's Christmas, European, or Vacation, European, Christmas, and then Vegas Vacation. Those are like the traditional, like... Okay, I've seen them all. Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo. And then there was Mm -hmm. also, I think, in 2010, sometime in the 2010s, they did a reboot with, like, Jason Sudeikis and kind of, like, it was, like, the grandkids... Or like the kids, oh. kind of like okay. Like I think maybe like Jason Sudeikis played Rusty or something. Okay, and so that, I think I think yeah, they involved Beverly sense. D'Angelo and Chevy Chase as like the grandparents. Mm-hmm. But I think they were kind of bummed because they had an idea for a sequel to starring them, and like the studio was like, "No, we're going with Aww. them." But they, I don't think they had anything written. They were kind of like, "But wait, we could do oh. something too." And so the studio was like, "But why couldn't they do both?" Yeah. They're, I don't know. I don't different. know if they, they actually ever finished writing theirs, so. Okay. Oh, so cut, Eddie's son, Rocky, has no dialogue in the film at all. He's just kind of mm-hmm. there. I kind of remember that. <laughs> I was going to have that as be one of the facts, but I'm like, that could be a fun fact. Mm-hmm. And also the article mentioned that technically it wasn't the family's first kidnapping, because like, you know, in the police busting at the end, mm-hmm. and she's like, hi, sorry for the mess. This is our family's first kidnapping. <laughs> but uh and apparently in vacation they forced Lasky the security guard to open the park for them. Although I think oh, okay. I'd argue that's more of a hostage situation. Yeah, I guess it's than kidnapping. I don't know like the the true definite, you know what I mean like the, Yeah, oh definitely. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's my Christmas vacation fun fact. Ah, I love it. Yes. I love it. I also have a, a weird Christmas recommendation of a movie I'm pretty sure you haven't seen, but if okay, you like okay. National Lampoons, I think you'll like it. And it also has Juliette Lewis in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, give it. It's called Mixed Nuts. Okay. Have you ever seen it? I think I've heard of it, never seen it. It's, I can't remember her name, but it, it's got a, a really, really, really good cast. It's headed by Steve Martin. Okay. And then uh, Juliette Lewis is in it. And there's, um, uh, she plays Mrs. White in the movie Clue and I mean a million other things, but Oh, I know exactly I who you're talking about. I can't remember flames. her name. Yes. I usually know her name, but it's like I can't come up with it right now. And hopefully totally. there's somebody shouting uh right now while listening. Yeah. Um I love having those moments for our listeners. God, I almost had it. I almost I'm sorry, I didn't mean to snap. I almost had it. You know, it's like on the tip of my tongue because I Madeline Khan. Yep, there it is, there it is. I got it, I did it, I did it. Uh, it's got her in it. Do you remember like around what year it came out? 
It was a 90s. Okay. 90s somewhere. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll definitely have to check that out because like that cast already, I'm like on board. Yeah. They work at a self-help line just to. Oh my God. Yes. I have to see this now. I won't. I won't say anything more than that, but I, I forgot about, I loved it when it first came out, forgot about it for like a while. And then I came back to it last year because it was, I was like at my parents' house and it was on TV or something. And I was like, I love this movie and I forgot about it. And now I need to seek it out again because mixed nuts. Real quick Please before do. we wrap, because the, that reminded me oh, like a movie. Uh, what? And Tom Hanks' wife, Rita. Um, Rita Wilson. Is in it. Sorry. Yes, you're good. They're amazing. No, okay. Definitely. Wrap up. <laughs> no, just like about like movies that like we forgot about, like that I kind of want to go back to, but like I feel like it won't hold up, but I kind of want to go back and watch it because it has Cher in it. And it's like one of the mm-hmm. weirdest Cher roles, I think, ever. But do you remember the movie Stuck on You? Kind of. It was like Matt Damon and someone else playing conjoined twins. Yes, yes, I do. That movie is ridiculous. Yes. Yes. And he gets casting their movie or TV show with Cher called Honey and the Bee and like Cher's Honey. And I think he must be the bee. But like Cher playing herself as an actress. (laughs) And it's just like, I vaguely remember it. I'm like, I know it probably won't hold up, but I kind of want to go back and watch it. I mean, it could still be fun. Yeah. You know, that makes um, sense. I also did just buy Tea with Mussolini on DVD, which I think is a one you would enjoy. Have you ever heard I've of it? I've never seen it. No. Yeah, I've heard of it. I want. It's been on my radar that I always forget about. It has like, so it's a star studded, but different cast. Yeah. It's like Cher. Yeah. Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, Joan Plowright. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'd love, I'd um, love to see that. Lily Tomlin. To Lily Tomlin plays an architect, or um, not an architect, I an archaeologist. Her. I think. Yeah. No, I'll definitely. Next time we exchange things or see each other, I'll mm-hmm. include it in the mix. Fantastic. Because, uh, one more movie before we stop. Uh, <laughs> tea with the Danes. It was one I just watched on Hulu. It's basically Maggie Smith, Joan Plowright, uh, Eileen Atkins, and Judy Dench. <laughs> so the same cast pretty much minus eileen atkins because i don't think she was in tea with tea with mussolini but yeah that's what inspired me to kind of pick up that movie again but um it's just the four of them they had this like cottage that they've been going to in the english countryside for like years and years just to talk about their careers and whatnot and it's basically this time they let cameras in so it's like them just shooting the shit about their many many years of being pillars in the british dramatic industry uh-huh. And it's fabulous. It's just like an hour and a half of these legend icon stars talking about their careers and just like working in the British entertainment industry pretty much since like the beginning. Sounds cool. Will you it's amazing. text those to yes. me to remind me? Yes, 100%. But I think that definitely wraps us. Yeah, we are we are wrapped with a candy cane on top. We, we sure are. If you want to follow us on our social medias at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and uh, Detroit Strange at gmail.com for email. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support the show, uh, first of all, thanks for listening. Yes. If you could subscribe, rate, and review, uh, that really does help us and it just feels nice. Yeah. We've also got our Threadless shop, Detroit Strange. We've also got our Patreon. You can look up Detroit Strange there. And I think. Until next time. Until next time. Stay strange. I love the eye contact we always make at the end of that. Like, like, are we doing it? We're doing it.
That was pretty good, too. That was in sync. We got it. Now, bye, 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 bye. (laughs) This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sax and Violence.